Elder Tony, thank you so much uh, for the introduction this morning, and um, it's time for the message. So I just want to take a word, a moment to pray, and then we'll, we'll get into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many ways that we worship you. We thank you that we, we are able to worship you in song, Lord. We are able to worship you in our giving, and now we worship you in your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word transforms our lives. Even as it transformed generations ago, it transforms our lives today. So, Lord, we pray for transformation this morning. We pray that not only we would hear your word, but, Lord, that your, your word would change us from the inside out. And we pray for those that are listening to this message that may not even be with our church. They're searching for you. They might find you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, last week, I had taken a, a break from the book of Philippians, and um, I'm taking another break. Just because God has been working this message in my life for several weeks now. So uh, I'm finding as I'm preaching more and more that, that it needs to get out. And so this one's coming out today, ready or not. So First Samuel is the book that we'll be turning to today. And uh, if you're young, my young at hearts are watching today, they're cheering at home because we've been going through First and Second Samuel together. But if you could turn with me to First Samuel chapter 15. And I'm going to start and just read through um, the section of the text, and then we're going to back up from there. But chapter 15, verses 1 to 23. And so if you could read it, read it with me. Um, oh, let me give you a little background just before we get started. Um, the prophet Samuel, if you, if you remember on Mother's Day, I preached on Hannah's prayer. The prophet Samuel is an answer to Hannah's prayer. That is the child that she had prayed for that that she then dedicated to the Lord, was raised up by the priest Eli, and then he became a prophet. And uh, he was the prophet that anointed the first king of Israel, King Saul. And so those are two people we're going to be discussing this morning. So read along with me as I start the passage. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telem, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in a ravine. And then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. And then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all of his people he destroyed with a sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves, the lambs, everything that was good. They were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. And early in the morning, Samuel got up and he went to meet Saul. 
But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. He has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough! Or another version says, Stop! Samuel said to Saul, Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you wipe them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I destroyed, completely destroyed the Amalekites, and I brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gigal. But Samuel replied, and this is the key passage, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, another version says witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This is the word of God. This is a tough passage that we're going to be going through today. But in order to understand it better, we need to go back. And so I want to encourage you to look in your Bibles in 1 Samuel chapter 8. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, there's some key things that, that happen there that helps you understand what happened and how this all came about. And so turn with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Give me a moment to look it up. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the prophet Samuel was growing old, and he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. And his sons' names were Joel and Abijah. But his sons didn't follow his ways. Matter of fact, they, they went after dishonest gain, they accepted bribes and perverted justice. So the elders of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel. This is an interesting conversation. He said, you're old. You're old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. That's what they asked him. And he said, but when they said, give us a king, this displeased Samuel. And so he prayed to the Lord. And this is what the Lord told him. He said, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected. They have rejected me. As their king. So, what you need to understand is that Israel already had a king. God was their king. But they wanted a king like others, the other countries around them. So, the Lord says, I want you to, you know, He spells it out. They've done this from the day I brought them out of Egypt, forsaking me and serving other gods. They're doing the same thing to you. So, but He said, listen to them, but warn them and let them know what the king who reigns over them 
will claim as his rights. So Samuel lets them know. He says, this is what the king will reign over you, will claim as his rights. He will take your sons to make them serve as chariots, as his chariots and horses, or serve with his chariots and horses. Some will be assigned to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He'll take a tenth of your grain to his officials and attendants, and a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. And so Samuel spells all of that out to them. And in verse 19, their response was, I don't remember that saying where they said, talk to the hand. That's basically what they told him. They said, no. They refused to listen to him. We want a king over us. And then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. And so the Lord said, give him a king. And, and Saul was that king. And, and Saul, when he first came, he was actually from the, the smallest of the tribes, the smallest tribe of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, and a reluctant king at that. And so, but that's, that's how it all started. God really was their king. But they rejected him. And that's why they had a worldly king called. Now back to the passage. We're going to start with the first part of it where they're told to, to destroy everything. My first point is that we see in this passage that Saul and his men didn't destroy all the plunder from the battle as the Lord directed. It says that in verse 9 that Saul and the army spared Agag the king and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs. Everything that was good they kept, but they, they were unwilling to destroy it. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. I want you to understand something as well. I mean, I know when I went through this with our young at hearts, I remember Daniel Venley, he was just so upset. He says, what do you mean they killed all these people? And I want you to know that this was something, uh, there was a law of devoting something, setting it aside entirely for destruction. That was familiar to the Israelites. They knew about that. And if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 to 18, it explains it. It says that anything under God's ban was to be totally destroyed. Now, you might be asking why. I remember Daniel asking why. And, and there's several reasons why God did this. One, was the, one purpose was to stop the evil practices of these pagan groups. Some of these groups were wicked. They were practicing and they were worshiping idols. They were sacrificing their children to the idols, these false gods. And, and, and so this, this is what was going on. And another reason that God did is that he did not want his people Israel to be contaminated or negatively influenced by those groups. He didn't want them to follow after those groups. And so that was part of what was going on in this situation. And, and it was called for when they did that, they were totally to destroy that group. If you look in uh, Joshua 7, chapter 7, there's, a, there's, a, there's an order to do that. And the Israelites were ordered to do that. And they were to order to not keep anything. But after they went and did it, they went to war and they lost a battle. And they knew something was wrong. And they sought the Lord and the Lord told them to search all the people. And they searched one man's sin. His name's Achan. It's called Achan's sin. And they found um, things that he had kept there. And it was such a serious offense that they, they, they stoned him, stoned his family to death because 
Because of his sin, all of Israel was judged. People died because of his sin. And so that's how serious um, this is that we're talking about today. I don't know how many of you had kids, but we used to say something to our kids, which is delayed obedience is disobedience. In other words, we would ask them to do something, and they'd say, hey, you know, I'll get around to that. And I'd be sitting there at the end of the day, and it didn't happen. I said, no, 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 this isn't. When I ask you to do it, you do it then. And in the same way, I've titled this message, Selective Obedience is Disobedience. It's not that Saul didn't do some of the things that God asked him to do, but there were some things that he didn't do. And so when God tells us to obey, we need to obey completely. Let's go on. Verse 10, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and it says, I regret that I made Saul king because he turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. It talks about Samuel being angry and crying out to the Lord. And then early in the morning, he went to meet Saul. But it, he said he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he set up a monument in his own honor. And then he's turned and gone to Gilgal. We see, the next point is that we see pride in big, bold letters in King Saul. He makes a statue of himself after this battle. Saul, Saul has changed. I want you to know that, that earlier in, in this book, he was a different person. And, and if you look back, and I encourage you to look back in chapter 11, early on in, in, when he first became king, Saul rescues the city of Jabesh. And, and in verse 11, there were some of his followers that wanted to kill some of the men that really said, I'm not following Saul. And, and, and so... But he said these words. These are words that came out of his mouth. He says, no one will be put to death today. For this day, the Lord has rescued Israel. So early on, he, he recognized that it was God that gave the victory. Not him, but it gone to his head here. Here he is making a monument of himself. I also want to talk about the Lord that we serve. God is not someone that that has no feelings, that just placed us here and set us loose. We learn about all aspects of God's character in the Bible. We learn about his love. We learn about his compassion. We learn that he's a jealous God. We learn that there's times where there's a wrathful God. In this case, we learn that he feels regret. In other words, there's sadness that we see in the Lord for, for what, what's happened with Saul. So he's been anointed king and he's turned away and he's gone his own way. So we see that in God's character. In verse 13, it, it goes on to talk about that when Samuel reached him, he said, the Lord bless you. And, and, and he, he, he talks about that he's carried out the directions of the Lord. And Saul, Samuel calls him out. He says, no, you didn't. I can hear sheep in the background and cattle in the background. And he talks about the soldiers and he goes on from there. You know, it's interesting as you read this part, I was talking to the, our young at hearts and they said, What's, what was the difference between Saul and David? Because we studied both of these gentlemen. And, and really we see a couple things here that, that, that that's, that's really see clearly. One, Saul is clearly in denial. I mean, here he is, he's caught red-handed. And he says, but I did obey. He says it twice. He says, I, as a matter of fact, he greets him and says, Lord bless you, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. It's like he's clueless. And then when he calls out, gets called out in verse 20, where he gets called out and says, why did you not obey the Lord? He says, but I did obey the Lord. 
So it's like he can't see his own sin. And even as he's being called out, he refuses to own his sin. And he, he makes excuses for his sin. And we'll see that in just a bit. And he even shifts the blame. And so, you know, as, even as we talked about David and we talked about Saul, both of them sinned. They were both sinners, right? We know that David was not a perfect man. But it does say that he was a man after God's own heart. And one of the things that we see with, with Saul is, is that he didn't own his sin. But when David was caught and called out by the prophet Nathan after having an affair with Bathsheba and after, after having, his hus- having her husband killed, he owned his sin. He didn't shift the blame for his sin. And we don't see that with Saul. And so that's one of the key differences that we see. So Saul refuses to own his sin. He makes excuses. He shifts blame. My question is, do you ever do that? I know I did. I know I have. Nobody likes to get caught. I remember getting caught as a kid. And uh, I remember there was a beating coming. I remember breaking uh, one of my dad's trophies. My dad used to coach a volleyball team. We were playing in the house. I always liked throwing things. If we threw the ball, I broke the trophy. And uh, praise God, I had a brother and a sister. Because when they asked who did it, I was pointing to both of them, okay? So we all got a beating that day. So I know I'm not the only one that shifted blame. But this is what we see. You get caught. You know, we get caught and we blame everybody except ourselves. And that's, that's our tendency is to cover up, you know? I'm going to move on. I know you think I'm meddling, but... That's the truth. That's who we are. So Saul messed up. He was supposed to destroy everything, but he kept part of the spoils for himself, including the choicest cattle. And when he was caught red-handed, he made excuses instead of owning it. He didn't own it. And that's our tendency is to cover up our sin. And that's a character flaw that we see in him. Lastly, in that last part of the passage, it says, Samuel finally just laid him out and said, listen, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and the heat is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of, of idolatry. And because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul's failure to obey the Lord cost him his kingship. Now, that didn't mean that he wasn't going to continue to be king, but God had a plan that that would have continued with his family, would have continued with his sons, and that was done. And Samuel calls Saul's sin of obedience rebellion. Rebellion or sin of witchcraft was punishable by death. Rebellion is a big deal in the eyes of the Lord. It's a big deal, and I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. I want to talk about why he did what he did. Um, give me a minute. You all know that I served with Pastor Allen for 14 years. And we would talk quite a bit. And he would share with me about leadership. And one of the things he would share is there's always going to be pressure on the leader to do things from others in, in the church and outside the church. And some things uh, that we ought not to do. And, and Saul, in essence, was a people pleaser. He feared man more than he feared God. And instead of obeying God, he listened to his men. In verse 24, if you look there, you see that he, he lacked 
also uh, that he lacked a real relationship with the Lord. Uh, in verse 24, it talks about, let me, let me go where I want to go here. Verse 24, he, he finally owns up and says, I listened to my men. He says, I finally, in verse 24, after he's rejected as king, he says to Saul, finally, he owns his sin and says, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. So he finally owns it after he's cornered. And so he had that fear of man. And then secondly, the other reason I really feel like he, he gave in is that he, Saul lacked a relationship with the Lord. I remember going over this, this book with our young at hearts and we noticed something in, in some of the verses that he speaks. And in verses 15, 21, and 30, he says this. He talks about to Saul, and I'll read verse 30 for you. It says, Saul replied, I have sinned. Please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. In verse 15, he says, the Lord your God. Not the Lord my God. Not the Lord our God. The Lord your God. So he recognizes Samuel's relationship with the Lord. But it's like he doesn't have that same relationship. And that's another difference that we see between him and David. David had a tight-knit relationship with the Lord. And so the reason that's important is that if Saul had that relationship with the Lord, he would have known when the men pressured him and said, I've got to go seek the Lord first. I appreciate what you guys want to do. And if he had a relationship with the Lord, then he would have sought the Lord's guidance. And the Lord would have told him, no, you finished a job. And he would have the strength that to hold firm and to finish the job and not give in to his men. And so we see that there. I want to move on to us. We've talked about Saul, talked about Israel, but I want us to talk about what's going on and really what reason I'm preaching this message. I've been watching and you've been watching our country fall apart in many different ways. I've been watching rebellion in our country. I've been watching anarchy in our country. I've been watching people tearing down statues. There's a process to do everything, but they just, I get up in the morning, I want to tear down this statue, and that's what's happening. I've seen anarchy. I've seen innocent lives of officers taken in our country. I've seen them hated on as a group, not... Not that they're not bad police out there, but they're not all bad. I know plenty of police officers that love the Lord and they're seeking to serve the public. But I've just seen this rebellion. And the, late, the thing that's been on my heart lately is really what's happening in our country in regards to COVID-19. I've watched the process for the other countries and when they've flattened the curve in other countries, they've, they've crushed this virus. They've continued on. They've finished it off. But that's not what's happened here. Matter of fact, they're looking at us and they're saying, what's going on with America? Well, what's happened is we've insisted on our rights. Public leaders have brazenly opened their states with people refusing to wear masks, wash hands, 
practice social distancing. I know you've heard the stories. I'm not the only one watching TV. We've had frat parties where people actually have COVID at the frat party. And it's like, this is a game. We've got young people hitting the bars. We had to shut down places in Chicago that are doing this. We had Memorial Day parties, Fourth of July parties. Even showed a man shoving a Walmart worker who's trying to get him to wear a mask. That is where we are at as a country. And so we insist upon our way to the detriment of ourselves and also about others around us, especially those that are older and have have those issues. I I remember, I called Betty Moore the other day. We were talking because trying to get her an air conditioner in this heat. We were just chatting. And she asked me a question. She said, Pastor, why are people rebelling? Why aren't the people rebelling? Why won't they wear their masks? I don't understand. And then she asked me what, what I was going to preach on. I said, well, I'm going to preach about that this Sunday, Betty. So I said, just tune in. But I, when, I, when she asked, I told her, I said, you know what? We, we all have this human condition. God calls it sin. Ellen and I have been talking in the office, and we go back and forth because there's times that I've wanted to rebel. There's times where she's wanted to rebel. None of us like wearing the mask. None of us like doing these things. I remember when this first happened, I didn't even think it was a real thing. I thought the world news was just blowing this thing up out of proportion. But I was wrong. I found out it's actually a real thing and people were real people are dying. But this sin issue is in all of us. We, you and I are not, we don't learn how to sin. We are born sinners. Sin is in us. And it all goes back to the beginning. It all goes back to, to Genesis. We see it with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were given everything. They were given a garden. They were given rule over the animals. They, everything they could have ever wanted. And God asked them one thing. He said, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat the fruit from that tree. And what did they do? They ate the fruit of the tree. I, you, you practice this with your, your kids. If you have kids, you know that, that, that uh, there's no question of original sin if you have kids. You don't have to teach your kids to do wrong. You have to teach your kids to do right. And if you tell your child not to do something, many times he'll do it just because you told him not to do it. That sin is within us. We got that from Adam and Eve. That's part of who we are. We sin with the things we do and we sin with the things that we ought to do that we don't do. And so my prayer right now is, is for, and I'm praying this for our country, that we would confess, that we would repent. I'm praying for our leaders. Just, just say, uncle, just say, Lord, help us as a country. So continue to pray for our leaders. And I'm praying for the stubbornness and the pridefulness that I see. And I'm asking for God's mercy for ourselves and our country. And we prayed for that. We continue to pray for that in our prayer meetings. I encourage you to pray for that. But if you're here today, and maybe you're listening to this message, today is the day of salvation for you. God makes it really clear that we all are sinners. We all are broken people. And we can't fix ourselves. And if you're searching for that solution, the solution is Jesus. God sent Jesus to come, to die for your sin and for my sin, that we might have a relationship with him.
that we might have freedom from that sin. And it starts by acknowledging your sinfulness, by asking for forgiveness, and then by asking to follow Him as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to bow my head with a word of prayer. You can pray with me now. I'm going to start by praying for our country, and then I'm going to pray for you. Lord God, we we thank you for this passage. Lord, we are all rebels in our hearts. We are all rebels. If it not for the grace of God, we would be out there with the rest of them, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, we know that you're using this time to, to, to purify us. You're using this time to draw men and women children to yourself. Lord, we repent of the sins of stubbornness and pride. We pray for states like Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Texas that are suffering. Many people catching COVID. We pray that you might spare our country. There is a possibility of 200,000 people dying from this disease. Lord, we pray that we would turn, we would do what we need to do and, and, and do the right thing and put the mask on, Lord, and and Lord, do, do practice social distancing, all those things. But more importantly, even than that, we pray that we would come to you in repentance. Come to you and seek your forgiveness. Lord, I pray for anyone listening to this message today. Lord, that they would admit that they are sinful. Admit they are a sinner. Simple thing. You already know it. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Lord, I pray that they might ask you in their hearts as their Lord and Savior this morning. Lord, that's, that's the change that we're looking for because that's where you change us from the inside out. And so that is my prayer this morning for those listening to this message. And Lord, for those of us that know you, Lord, we still struggle in obedience. We still struggle not to rebel. Help us, Lord, to be completely obedient to you, to follow after you. And then when we mess up, to confess and get back on track again. So Lord, that's my prayer. That's my prayer for our church. That's my prayer for all who are listening. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite up Mike Choby. He's going to have a closing song for us and then we're going to stay tuned. Uh, UBC, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to share about our reopening plan for next Sunday.
sin, with sin runs deep, your grace is more, your grace is found, is where you are, and where you Oh, God. 